buying as a couple? Ever found yourself disagreeing on what and where you should be looking? Ever thought your partner was totally on the same page as you, only to be shocked and surprised when they objected something you thought you'd both agreed to? That's what we're dealing with today. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. And that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories and avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. We've got loads of free tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll get access to our free webinar, How to Buy Your First Home with the Right Amount of Debt. You'll also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course for people who want to be educated home buyers. We have created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording. Things change rapidly. So always check with the relevant government authority or your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about the road to marital bliss for first home buyers. Well, we're not exactly, but anyway, before we get stuck into today's topic, what is your special house this week, Megan? It's been a while since you've had a special house. It's been a little while. Let me me show you what I have here. It is not my idea of your ideal first home, but this is uh, called The Cube, spelt K-Y-O-O-B. This is a course on Airbnb's OMG um, section. Um, it's at Shash, Shash Dean, I think it's pronounced, in Arizona. Now, it's described as an extraordinarily well-appointed, architecturally stunning structure set in the Navajo land. Now, I feel like it's a box, but I think there's more to it because this is an eco-friendly resort. And when I did a little bit of research, it is at about 4.9 um, stars across the board. So as a as a location, apparently it's quite amazing. Now, some first time buyers might feel that this is all you can afford at the moment in the back sticks of Australia, a box but, in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, have faith. I'm 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 sure if you set your path and and uh, do all the right things by the right steps, you you may end up with something more than a cube, more, more than a cube in with no in tree the in, a, in a treeless landscape. All right. Well, we know that buying a home is hard at the best of times. It's especially difficult when you're buying property as a couple. And there's always a challenge when two people need to come to an agreement on anything, really. But even more so, two has, or each of you have a different list of priorities. So, what we want to talk about is the best way to get on the same page as your partner. I think. Now, firstly, you need to know you're not alone. (laughs) You're not on on your own. All the time. In fact, in in our buyer's agency, and I'm fairly sure I've heard you say this around yours as well, Veronica, with good deeds, we we say that we are counsellors of our clients 
and coaches of agents. So what we mean by that is often we have to let the the clients, our buyers, work through some of the things that they didn't even know they disagreed on until they're forced to make a decision about it. Yep. And in fact, I often think of it as when you first start off and you're really, you know, you're really full of positive ideas and you write your wish list and it's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> you know, you've got two circles and they overlap and mostly they overlap. Or you have 37, 370 even I've seen. Um, oh, God. Nice to have on your list. Oh, my God. They probably, yes, I don't know what I'd do if and somebody I came say to you with a wish list three. Like Yes. <laughs> you can have that one, that one, that one, nothing else. But, you know, I think about it as like a Venn diagram and, and where you've got a huge overlapping centre. That's what most briefs start out like. Well, but as you look for property, the longer you look for property and the more disheartened you get, the more, re- you know, yellow boxes in the middle of Arizona you keep looking at thinking, we're never going to be able to afford what we want. Um, it's almost like couples start drifting apart and that centre part, which is overlapping, becomes smaller and smaller and the focus becomes more on the things that are different. Um, so, and often it's like in this... Uh, in families in particular, certainly in my business, we see it a lot with families and particularly in a more sort of traditional uh, situation where one is in the breadwinner role and one's a homemaker. And that will happen when the kids are particularly little. You know, often there's there's a time where one of them, and it's not always a woman's at home, but often yeah. it is, there's, there's often a time of readjustment and can take years where each one struggles to reconcile the workload balance with the loss of independence heavy responsibility, attempts to value both financial and non-financial input, those sorts of things. And And this can happen even before children arrive. Yes, it can. And also because you can have different um, money personalities or money mindsets Mm -hmm. as well. Mm, Absolutely. Gosh, how many times do we see that? And the coupling up of the saver versus the spender and and the anxiety and and disagreements that that can cause within a relationship. Mm, Yeah. So these roles that you play, but also those mindsets they and their relative perspectives, of course, they can magnify any differences when the time comes to buy a home. And so all of a sudden it becomes not so much fun buying with your partner. Like it, it just feels like you're butting heads. Uh, but I thought you liked this. Well, I thought you liked this, but you never told me that you didn't like that. I didn't know that I didn't like that. Uh, <laughs> it's not an uncommon conversation for people to have, Veronica, because what looks really good on the internet? So when you're sitting there and you're looking through things, oh, I really like that. Oh, I really like that too. Oh, I could really see us having a family. Oh, I could see us having a family here too. Yep. You'll be such a great mum. I feel like Michael McIntyre. That's that's one of his <laughs> really great skits. Um, but but it does. It feels like it. You know that mountain that you're climbing to to purchase that first time. It starts feeling a little bit like Mount Everest because not only is it about trying to find a property, it's actually trying to find the common ground. And stick to the common ground as well, but also allow each other to have conversations uh, about what the non-common ground is and how you feel about what's okay and what's not okay. You know, it it's, it's, it's sometimes people start to you know that that wish list, they write things down, mm-hmm. and, and um, one person says, "Oh, I'd really like this, this, and this, and I'd really like a shed and somewhere that I can tinker." Well, you've never tinkered in your life. Why do you yeah. need to tinker? I want to be able to tinker. I want to get some tools, and I want what's to tinker. What's wrong with tinkering? <laughs> When are you going to have time to tinker? You're at work all the time. You're never home. I know, because I have to pay for the mortgage you want me to have. Thanks. 
You can hear it. I'm sure <laughs> you're probably relating to this. You this know, all really common stuff. And, it, and it's when you're put under a little bit of pressure as well. And people find it in the lead up to marriage. So marriage is one of those key milestones that differences start to come to the surface, things that you haven't really thought to talk about before. Buying a home is really similar. Whether you're doing that before marriage or after marriage, it starts conversations that start getting really real quickly. Um, And so having a way to deal with that, of course, is what we want to work with people through today. Yeah. And what becomes quite difficult too is if one is more active in the whole property equation and the other one is more passive, right? And so we often find that with people who do the course. We certainly find that with our buyer's agent's clients. There's, There's one that's more engaged seems to want it more than the other yeah. and they're like dragging their partner along. And if it's, you know, if it's the person who's the homemaker, right, he or her, doesn't actually matter who it is, but sometimes the person who's driving this is the one that's at home more because, yeah. of course, it's a constant bit reminder, I yep. need more space and I've got a bit more time or whatever. Or I'm local and it's easier for me to go out there and actually have a look at homes in the area. Well, I just like it, Fronica. There are people well, who are exactly. just real estate tragics. And that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. Good on you. So am I. Um, but not everyone is. No, and, not everyone is at all. You know, that natural affinity and desire to go and look and explore and talk and, and, and be real estate oriented isn't a natural position for every person to be in. And so that can cause a little bit of conflict too. Absolutely. And also because, of course, the one that is actually out there pounding the pavement, getting to know the agent, starting to track what properties are selling for and seeing, oh, I don't really like that one and do you like that one? Oh, dear. Or prices are rising. Oh, dear. All that sort of stuff. They start to get a little bit sense of urgency, right? Yeah. They go back and they talk to their other half and they're like, um... We need to get active because uh, we're going to get left behind or now I'm really agitated. I want to do it now. I'm really motivated. And so, you know, they might be the driving force to get to the broker, you know, get the pre-approval, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it can, you know, back to that money mindset, that can be when it becomes really confronting. Yeah. If one is more fearful than the other. Yeah. That debt. And, and more... So there's the debt side of things. There's a motivation side of things. Yeah. Sometimes in couples, it's that feeling of, oh, I don't know if we're ready yet. Or, um, you know, one's really like, I work from home and I really need more space. When you got when you come home, like it's like you're on top of me. Like there's a human being in my entire space. Um, or when the kids come in, or when you know when their friends rock up, or we haven't got any anywhere to entertain. We can't have people over because. So that that motivation is not always about the couple. It's actually about the external factors that influence um, the couple as well. So when one is in the space a little bit more than the other, that sense of urgency can be quite heightened and their needs are really different from the person who might go out to work and come back. You know, FIFO relationships are a really challenging one because one is more located in the house and one is really not located in the house. And very, very little time when they when they come back. So that that's a really challenging situation to navigate as well. Yeah. And I think recognizing, like we said at the head of this, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. This happens a lot. But recognizing that really this is part of the process effectively, you know, because then you're sort of thinking, okay, well, I don't like that amount of debt and no one does. Yeah. Just, just so you know, you're not alone on that one. <laughs> no one um, goes. I can't wait to have I a mortgage. I can't wait to have <laughs> it's not. Know, no, it's 30 okay. years worth of debt. Mm. Um, 
I'll be working but, till I'm 85. But we do, but we do love our have a home. Like we do love to have a home. And so then the next thing is, okay, well, look, okay, well, then we'll do it, whatever. If one gets dragged, kicking and screaming, then you have to go through the process of it gets away from the fun of the wish list and to the drudgery of working out what to compromise on because you have to. It's the ugly C word when it comes to buying property. <laughs> it's working out the compromises and everybody does you know we talked about it in so many situations Veronica I'd love to live on Hedges Avenue right on the beach my compromise is I can't yeah (laughs) (laughs) one I don't have the money and two it doesn't work for my family that's true but the problem is that sometimes with compromises is that the one that's more active in the surge and has much more of an understanding about what they can get for their money they're usually um I guess more willing to compromise, yeah, and, yeah. and because they'll sort of know whether it's the property itself or the or the position, they'll sort of know what's really important to them. And the other half may not be as far down the track, yeah. and that makes it really difficult as well. Because that's sort of when when the trouble begins is where one person starts compromising more because they know they get it right, yeah. and yeah. the other person person doesn't seem to be compromising at all. And they see that that's the person digging their heels in, that if they don't compromise, we're never going to buy anything. And that's sort of where the trouble begins. And it can be a really tough one because it is it is genuinely a journey and a process to buy a property. And and you need to gather knowledge along the way. And and what is you know, very common in relationships is your partner may share something with you in an attempt to influence you and often you put up a little bit of a barrier or a wall to say well I don't have evidence of that what what <laughs> are you what are you saying and it's and it's almost like you need an external validation of what has been uncovered and revealed by your partner in their own process and journey so when you're on different path not so much different pathways you know the end point is often the same but the pathway to get there if you're not on the same pathway of learning and acquiring knowledge and understanding where, you know, particularly, you know, people who grew up in an area, moved away, came back, come back. Um, the amount of people who say, I would never live in that suburb, it's terrible, but it's changed so much since yeah. they last lived there. And their, their experience and knowledge of it is a little bit out of date, but perhaps the partner that's been doing a lot of their on the ground work has come to learn that there's lots of people like you there. And, and it could be a really quite interesting place to live. So, so that background knowledge or that history can often be an impediment to to the process of moving forward if you haven't actually had your feet on the ground and doing that work yourself. This, again, is not uncommon. It, it, it's very, very common in 20 years of buyer's agency. There are not many couples who come to me, even if they've bought two, three, four properties before, they still need to end up on the same page through a process. Exactly. In fact, I wrote an article on this after interviewing a whole bunch of our clients <laughs> Um, some years ago, and I'll put the link in the show notes because you know, particularly in these cases, the women, the women in these cases were trying to get help because they were just pulling their hair out, and then the, the men were dragged, kicking and screaming into our offices. And the amount of times you'd sit there with a couple and be looking at each other, like throwing daggers at each other through their <laughs> eyes because they're so annoyed with each other. This is something they're sick of talking about, right? And and you know, it's, one of them will say something, and the other one would just like put their hands on the table, and go. Don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> and it's like you know, and it's obvious to me as it's the, plays out day after yeah, day as a professional. <laughs> and you go, you're right. 
he or she doesn't, but neither do you. And here we are. We've got you here because you need help, right? So now we're going to sort of talk you through some of the things that we would do to help them, but also to reassure you that, as I said, this is normal. It's part of the process. So if you can embrace it and then move through it, then you will get to where you want to be. Almost like a little bit of marriage counselling without being marriage counselling because we're not marriage counsellors. No. But if you get, if you learn ways to deal with conflict, and this is conflict in a way, if you learn ways to deal with conflict and move through things, then it gives you life skills in in future conflict situations and almost knowing, okay, we're going to have a difference of opinion here. How do we work through? It's not, you know, marriage isn't about winning. It's not about losing. It's not about getting the upper hand. It's kind of working out where you both want to be as a partnership and and that's the property search. So it's, the, you know, if you remember back to my idea about the Venn diagram and, and basically the circles get further and further apart and you've got a tiny little sliver in the middle that is common ground, the focus has to be the common ground and expanding that again, getting those circles to come back in again. Yeah, yeah. And often it's because, you know, it's about looking at common goals and common objectives and really what you want as, as a family or as a couple in terms of your life. But quite often before this happens, before people get into my office or Megan's office, you know, it's one of them is still out there looking and the other one's sort of not as engaged. And when they start to see properties that they like selling outside of their price range and they're thinking, oh my God, we have to move suburbs and it becomes even more fraught because at that point, the very fact that they're not both working as a team uh, becomes even more stressful because it's like now I'm doing it all on my own and I'm the only one seeing the truth. <laughs> it's hard to verbalise what that truth is sometimes, um, particularly if you're trying to take someone on a journey that you don't necessarily intrinsically understand yourself or ha- have done the research. So you can see things anecdotally but not understand why they're happening and therefore it's hard to communicate that to your partner if if you can see a pattern but you can't really explain what's behind it or what's driving it and help them see, you know, I know we said we wanted to live in this suburb, but I've looked at every house in this suburb. There's nothing in our price range that we can afford except this. Well, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> or they find something in the next suburb and it's like the one, yeah. right? It's going to go to auction, right? And it looks like it's all going to be within budget. Budgets, all systems go and then, and then, you know, right, time to get through and have a look. And it's like, no way, that's overpriced. I'm not paying that. Because, you know, both people need to have a full understanding about what the market's costing, you know, what, what the, the prices other are. buyers are paying for things. Really, that's what the market is. What are other buyers paying for things? That's exactly right. So you definitely, you know, you don't want that. You got, you, you know, you've got to be joking. And then the house sells for what, you know, she or he, the one that dragged the other one, yeah. knows it will go through. And you're back to square one. It's really, really demoralizing um, because the reality is, though, there are some little gems in here because one of you is getting educated about the market, right? And so if the other one is actually behind, recognized that and started to actually listen to the person who's doing the hard work rather than acting out of fear and being worried that they're basically going to have to work to the 85 to pay for the mortgage – then, you know, then that's moving back to the Venn diagram and the, the, the common area, you know what I mean? Reconnecting the partnership as well. You know, one person doesn't want to be the line ranger doing all the work and, and being, yeah, having that shocked response when they just reveal what they've learned along the way. 
Um, and that's really what it is. You're, just, you're picking up knowledge and learning things along the way, sharing it, um, and then having a conversation about how does that impact you. A lot of the people that become our clients sort of start with one dragging their partner across the line. And, and I know a lot of our students are a little bit that way too. One is the more analytical one. One is the more of the researcher and they're the ones entrusted with the responsibility of learning all this stuff. And then they've got to try and impart that knowledge to their partner um, who hasn't invested all the time and energy um, getting to that same place. So that can be quite difficult. Of course, we do have um, we do have some couples that do the course together. And obviously... That is ideal, but it's not it's a different process, don't you <laughs> yeah. find? I, it I is, find but even we... then, they're going to have dis- disagreements sometimes, oh, totally. right? <laughs> totally. But they're coming from a place of common knowledge. Yeah. So the disagreements aren't so much about, well, what do what you know versus what do I know? And what are you trying to tell me? And I know more than you. It's actually they're on the same page from a knowledge based point of view. Yeah. It's then actually about the individual differences in their preferences and how they see their lifestyle and, and, and how they see themselves living in the house. And they're good conversations to have when you take away the differences in understanding of the process. Absolutely. So, you know what? Sometimes, as I mentioned, sometimes people can afford to get a buyer's agent <laughs> and we're like an umpire in many ways. You know, we call it, you know, a bit of property therapy. We're like a... Mediator conversations along the way. Some hard conversations. And in fact, I actually had a client that said to me, you are like the threesome that's good for our marriage. <laughs> How's that? That is okay. the, the best line. In fact, that's one of those quotes I need to sort of put on an Insta tile. That's I think great. Threesome that's good for our marriage. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, that is, of course, uh, for a lot of people further down the track, you know, we're very much talking about arming yourself with the ability to do this yourself. Yes. So, what do you do if you can't afford a buyer's agent to become a mediator? <laughs> and and you know what, a lot of people that can afford one, they still the the, the one partner who wants a buyer's agent can't convince the other. We've even had some people who can't convince their partner to let them shell nine hundred and ninety bucks out to do this course. So you can imagine that that partner would never let them go and use a buyer's agent. So that makes it especially hard because when you've got one person who's resisting learning, resisting the knowledge, resisting getting any um, outside expert help, that does make it difficult. Um, And I'm not sure what I can do to help you with that one. But if, (laughs) if, uh, if you were to do the course, you can always both come to campfire, and we we actually act as mediators on a Wednesday lunchtime. <laughs> we did. We had we had that recently at campfire. Actually, we had a challenge that we cap um, we we did tackle mm. um, at campfire, and and it was a really it was actually quite joyful to watch the progress from that one hour that we spent. And and we don't just focus on one person during campfire. Mm. There's a number of people in there totaling another number of different things about properties or process or questions about negotiations or auctions. So so it does move around. But the difference that I think we saw in that couple going from, they were really frustrated, incredibly frustrated with each other, with the market, with mortgages, with um, lack of um, clarity about, you know, they they were just really like this. And their body language was so tense and the, the sidewards glances were, were really, you know, it's sort of like, mm, we need to have a conversation here because I think what we're seeing is 
actually a positive thing because when you get yeah. to the point of acknowledging that we feel like we're on different pages here, that's a great opportunity to go, right, well, let's step back and see where the common space is, where the differences are, and how do we get you on the same page? So what was a classic with that one is that they've been joining us for camp for a few weeks and in that process they were in, still in the pre-approval process and they'd done the where to buy tutorial so and they'd done the full course as well course, but yeah. in particular they've done the where to buy tutorial and that helped them to go out there and look at other areas because they felt that they were going to be outpriced from the area that they're currently living in that they would ideally like to stay in but they felt that they were going to be not able to afford what they want in that area so that's when they started looking at, at areas sort of another half of an hour away and so they come to a conclusion they found this this sort of area that they really liked and they agreed on this area. Yeah. But when it came through that they got their pre-approval, they actually got a bit more money than they expected. And that's that sort of changed things a bit. And I think one of them was quite happy to stick where they were. Yeah. And the other one went, oh, we can go and now and look where we originally wanted to look. And I think that that's where the conflict came, didn't it? Yeah, it's just because really, one was ready to buy a house that they'd seen that they thought was outside their budget in the new area that they'd gone to when they had the lower budget. And the other one was thinking, why aren't we making an offer on the one in the newer area, which was cheaper? So all of a sudden there's this difference and we're like, this is good, guys. Yeah. Let's get this out. So, well, because it means they're getting closer to their goal. Yes. But right? when you're it really real. pushed, it gets real. And that's what we sort of said to them. It's good news. You're getting mm. closer to your goal. It means you're switched from we are going to look at buying a house to we are home buyers. Like it's a real shift in your mindset when you move in that space. And when it starts to get real, you need to have some very different conversations than the, won't it be lovely when I'm looking forward to, to you know, we are doing this. Yeah. It's going so to happen. It's normal to have a little bit of fear kick in at that point. Yeah. But it's also because you're no longer in the researching phase, like you're in the real phase. But it's also precisely why in our process, we've got 10 steps in the process to buy a home. Step five is revise and correct. And it just reiterated how important this step is in the proper process that you need to go through to buy a home. Because they step one is getting your support crew. So that's fine, right? Step two is getting the money sorted out, which they did. Step three is getting the plan organised. Now they're starting to take shape because we know what the budget is. We know what our requirements are. We do the where to buy workshop, all that sort of stuff. And then step four is getting out there and searching and inspecting. That's when you actually started to physically look at what you potentially can afford to buy. And that's sort of before the pre-approval. And then when the pre-approval land, it's like, right, we may have to make sure we're on the right path. All the assumptions we use to make the plan thus far, let's test them. Are they still applicable? Do they still hold forth? And the budget was the one that didn't. And so then that causes a rethink of the other two aspects, which is the property and the pro and the position. And so in order to make the best possible decision, in it, rethinking that, revising and correcting is so important. Otherwise, you just go down a path and you go, well, I'm going down that path because we decided it when circumstances were a little bit different to what they are now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and the only after the stress of it all is, you know, the cloud is gone, the stress is alleviated and you sit back and you go, oh, we could have actually done it differently. And we don't want you doing that at the end of this road. Oh, we want you it. doing it in the or middle of the road. throwing up your hands and saying, I'm not doing this anymore because it's too hard. Yes, it's hard. 
it's it is hard and the more effort you put in the more time you put in the more you educate yourself the more in control of the decision you are it is still hard absolutely because it's a lot of money there's a lot of emotion and it's it's a, a long period of time um and and that's that's okay it's as right. of just sit in it accept it as of today they haven't yet bought but i think they're putting in an offer they and they have also been very serious on three other properties that they haven't gone ahead of board, obviously, but they kicked into such a different gear mm-hmm. and they are just so close to becoming homeowners. It's ridiculous, right? But I also but find, of- Veronica, in, in Campfire, their interaction with each other is really different. Mm. Actually having conversations now about the pros and cons without it being, but you, like the, the, the they're really the on the same page. changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's really exciting actually. That's and it's from both sides. I think it's been movement from both sides on that. So you know, and they're really in alignment as to what they want and what they're working towards. It's it's really exciting. So I cannot wait until they're bought. So we'll be throwing our hands up in the air with excitement over oh, that one. We will. <laughs> one of the things though um, that I really noticed, and I particularly noticed, I noticed this with clients sometimes, but I particularly noticed this when I was filming the show. You know, location, 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 and relocation, re- relocation. Um, because in the show, people were our inverted commas clients, yeah. but they're not true clients. They're there where they're with them for a very short period of time. We're doing our best to find them the right property and infotainment. Yes. As opposed to the way we work with our clients, which is much more intimate really. And, yeah. you know, really a lo- intimate is probably the best word. Um, what I saw in the show is probably what happens a lot out there with people aren't don't have any guidance. They don't have our campfire every week, or they, or they just don't have a buyer's agent, right? And that is where one partner becomes a saboteur. So where the danger is when you, particularly when you got a couple and one is very vocal and one seems to get their own way a lot, or yeah. one one seems to vocalise what they what they want a lot more, and and the other one doesn't feel heard, and and if they don't have a very healthy relationship, that person can become a white ant can become a saboteur and I've seen it happen as I said we used to see it a lot on the show because yeah. we are close to this the, the dynamic without actually having the the intimate relationship we would have with the client and that's a danger that you have to be aware of and particularly if one is steamrolling and one is really is is the more dominant and and if you're getting frustrated with the person who's dragging the chain in particular that's what you got to be looking for. You got to making sure that either you're not being the saboteur or your partner's not being a saboteur because it's quite a dangerous place to be in if you're buying trying to buy a home. If, remember, you know, I've also had situations where one has been quite laid back. So one being the driver and excited and you know moving things forward and the other one being quite laid back and yeah, 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 that sounds really good. But then suddenly it it's not okay. And the ability for for those people to actually talk to each other in a constructive way um, is difficult because this person who's laid back has never actually expressed such a strong opinion before. So it it is it it can be even someone who seems laid back and going with the flow and really comfortable with everything. If they if they feel like they're they're not being heard along the way or haven't got an opinion or an input, um, it's really important to check in on that because the last thing you want is someone going, yeah, it's fine. I don't really like it though. After you've spent a couple hundred thousand dollars on that. And I've met people who have done that. I've met people who have gone along with it and then basically made their partner suffer. 
you know, well, you bought it. Yeah, yeah you bought it. It's what you wanted. Yeah. It's like this, it's a really horrible. Get out of that relationship before you buy a house with them, you know. Just, <laughs> just. <laughs> this really is marriage counselling. He's not giving you marriage advice here. Yeah, you're having a thing about relationship. Or <laughs> um, go and see a counsellor. Get that sorted out before you buy a house. But it does happen. And so I just be, be aware of it, you know. <laughs> just human. Because this is not something you're going to do all the time. It's it's a very intense emotional um, roller coaster that you go on in the process leading up to thinking about preparing to go through the process of buying the house and often having the remorse that comes afterwards until you settle yourself down. Very yeah. common to get buyer's remorse. We should. should do an episode about that. Um, yeah, and 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 you know the the potential to go. Well, yeah. you wanted it, so that's why we did it. So almost even um, going past the point of the purchase and feeling comfortable about the purchase yes. before the purchase um, could be a really good yeah. thing to go through too. Uh, and and there's ways, you know, there are ways for people to to get external input. It can be parents if you've got parents who are quite level headed. Although that can be difficult because if one, you yep. know, one's Maybe the not. <laughs> daughter and there's the son-in-law who's favoured, sometimes the son-in-law is going to get the favoured too. Yeah, you always <laughs> take it's, your side. Going the way there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you never support me. Um, but an external person who isn't emotionally invested can be good. You know, if you can afford a buyer's agent, that is a really good part of the process. People undervalue yeah. how important that emotional part is. Um, but, of course, if if you're saving every dollar towards your deposit and you are looking to do this yourself, then getting yourself educated and having the access to, to us as external mentors um, once a week can be invaluable. Absolutely. And look, as a quick note, this course, I think I say this at the end of every episode, it's only $990. Honestly, divorce costs a lot more than that, right? And you get access to us, direct access to us, as we mentioned in our weekly campfires, that help guide you through these conversations to help you, you know, work out what the right path is for you. We're not going to here to tell you what the right path is. It's it's a discovery no. for each of you, but it, there is a process of discovery that we can lead you through, you know, because we've done it time and time again. And you know what? Trust me, as I said, a divorce is a lot more expensive than $990. So is a poor negotiation. And yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. And you don't want to end up walking away from a good relationship because you had a poor property purchase process. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you've found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.